Hey everybody, welcome back to the Norwood Noise. It is Tuesday, January 11th. I know we're usually a Wednesday recording pod. We're recording late Tuesday night. This will go up Wednesday morning, so we'll, I'll do a little schedule upload for you guys. Get you a little Wednesday morning. Obviously, you know, big news around the Xavier campus preview of the Villanova game uh, with number 14 Villanova coming to the campus uh, of Xavier University, so that'll be good. A uh, little preview pod for you guys getting going uh, to, you know, when you guys hear this, this evening's game, um, but really tomorrow night's game for us. Against Xavier, top 20 matchup, first top 20 matchup at Centos Center uh, since uh, in the last four years. Um, but, yeah, so this is the first time that we're back on campus. Graham and I are back here recording live together. I'm looking at his beautiful face right now oh, uh, for, <laughs> for the first time in about a month. Um, so good to see you, Graham. Graham, how you doing? Oh, we're doing great. Um, you know, it's always good to be back on campus, you know, with the friends and, you know, a uh, sense of normalcy, you know, going to classes, no noise in person. But what better week to come back during Villanova week? Uh, tomorrow night, so we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, before we get to that, though, before we get to the Musketeer Minute here at the end, I uh, do have to touch on a busy, busy last few days since we last talked uh, in college hoops. Um, starting off last Thursday uh, with a little bit of a shocker, but maybe not to most. You know, for those that follow the sport closely, Ohio State coming off of a COVID pause, um, losing by 16 on the road to Indiana, 67-51. Indiana takes that win. Um, they move to 11-3, and 2-2 two two in the conference, and Trace Jackson Davis really seems to be finding his form for the Hoosiers, scoring 27 uh, that night for Indiana. And, yeah, I mean, I, I really do think Indiana is one of those teams that, you know, is going to sneak around that, that, you know, top 20, top 30 teams, you know, right around the edge of the top 25 um, for the rest of the year, really, and, and just kind of be one of those teams that you don't want to go on the road and play uh, if you're any Big Ten, Big Ten team. So. And to touch on that game, um, Ohio State, even after the pause, looked pretty solid. It was definitely a defensive-oriented game. Um, and... Indiana started to pull away, you know, in the early second round, but Ohio State was battling back. And with about seven minutes left, the lead was only four points for Indiana. But then Ohio State went on to only score one more basket um, after that point. It was then 52 to 48 at the time. It ended up being at 67 to 51. Um, Indiana looked really good. We obviously talked about uh, Jackson Davis with a very smooth 27 and 12. Um, give Indiana a big win. Um, also, to add to Indiana, uh, bringing back Trey uh, Galloway, their freshman guard, um, who's, who's been out with injury his first game, he looks solid. He's a good piece for that team. They're now sitting at 11 and 3. Could be a good tournament team because they're coached by Mike Woodson, who's now 11 and 0 when he wears a suit. So, for all the Barney Stenson fans out there, it's time to suit up if you're Mike Woodson. Absolutely, and I and Graham, I couldn't agree with you more. I think guys that you know, you see Mick Cronin pull out the suit a couple times this year. Jay Wright pulled out the suit a couple times. It's good to see uh, some of the coaches pulling out uh, some dapper looking fits. Uh, again, I do miss the suits. I do miss the uh, the you know, obviously the nicer look and all of that. I really enjoy that mm -hmm. uh, when coaches pull those out. So I, I hope to see more of that. And I, I think you know, Mike Woodson is, uh, you know, he's he. He's learning and, and kind of showing the rest of the world uh, the right way and, and how to how to dress for a game and, and how to look nice. So good to see that from Mike Woodson and that Indiana program. They've been reeling ever since that Archie Miller let down in that in that uh, period of kind of rough times for that program. So moving forward, though, uh, Saturday 
a, I mean, maybe one of the busiest days we've had yet this season, really. I, I couldn't – it's like I couldn't settle my eyes on, on any game for too long before something else, uh, you know, big, you know, notable happened. So, um, obviously, the one personally that, that was on my list, um, at the top of my list to watch, was Kansas going on the road to Texas Tech. Um, a shorthanded Texas Tech team, uh, but nonetheless still getting the win at home, 75-67. Um, just a really, honestly, not not the best performance from Kansas, obviously, uh, with the result. Um, but on top of that, really, just not not a lot of uh, competitiveness and really not a lot of consistency in the lineup. And that was a really tough uh, thing to see, you know, for for the Jayhawks. They've they started. It seemed like they kind of found a little groove after the Dayton loss. Kind of started to get into a little bit more of a rhythm. Um, but really, ever since that, they haven't been able to find. Uh, a very consistent lineup with Remy Martin jumping in out lineup with injury, um, as well as a few other players. You know, Trace Jackson, or excuse me, not Trace Jackson Davis, uh, Jalen Coleman lands, uh, kind of making his mark. Um, you know, Jalen Wilson kind of getting back into the lineup. Guys like that. Um, Bob Pet- Bobby Pettiford also getting back in the lineup. You know, guys that are in and out with injuries and for other you know uh, personal reasons that kind of thing. David McCormick being inconsistent. Um, you know, all those guys are, are worth noting and in the inconsistency of this Kansas team and, and a tough loss uh, on the road to, you know, early on in conference play. I don't think it's a bad loss. I think Mark Adams has a great thing going there in his first year with Texas Tech. Um, but again, I, I just don't think, uh, I mean, Texas Tech is always going to be aggressive. That's that's what they were, you know, made, how that's how they were made under uh, Chris Beard and obviously with Mark Adams just following suit with that. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Texas Tech is always going to be the more aggressive team there, and Kansas just never never really responded. Um, so yeah, that's that, those were my main takeaways with that. Um, but yeah, moving forward, Graham, if you've yeah, got to add on with Kansas, we've been talking about you know with Remy Martin and um, Christian Braun and the, the supporting cast has been a lot of guard talk and guard heavy plays. They, they have multiple people. Um, that you don't know where you're getting your 20 points, your 15 points, and a very dynamic offense on the wing. But uh, I think it's a cause for concern that um, Texas Tech was able to just straight up bully them down low, and they were shorthanded, so they were playing with a shortened rotation, and they're still just out-hustling them. In the paint, Texas Tech outscored them 44-18. to And if you're only getting 18 points in the paint, I mean, maybe that's your identity. Maybe you're going to play from behind the arc. But the fact that it was that severe and they got out by 10 or 12 rebounds, um, I think that Kansas need, that might raise a few eyebrows when um, your main guy in David McCormack is, if he's going to be your, you know, your big shot blocker, rebounder when he comes in, like who's going to be in the starting lineup who's going to step up? Or is it going to be right. team-oriented um, defense and offense in the paint? I think Kansas has some things to look at. But Texas Tech has looked really strong. Um, we're going to talk about them throughout the podcast because they have had some great games in the past uh, week. Absolutely. But it's very interesting that Texas Tech was able to win and Kansas was able to struggle that quickly because yeah. they were in that game. Absolutely. Um, another notable uh, game from the weekend, Seton Hall uh, taking care of UConn at home, 90-87 in overtime. Um, I mean, I think the Big East – Twitter account described the best. What a game. That really was a fun one to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, did see about the second half of that one. Uh, really good one. Uh, Sonogo, 18 for UConn. Um, 
just a really great performance from him. He kind of started to find his uh, form again. Then Kadari Richmond uh, was the headliner uh, for Seton Hall with 27. Um, just really good looks there, uh, you know, all, all around from both sides. Um, and, and another thing worth noting is, you know, UConn shot 61% from three and still lost. So that is something that I think uh, – UConn can look at it as a positive coming out of that game, but also can scare some other Big East teams. I mean, if, if guys can put up those numbers um, and they're still going to lose a game, I think on both sides that's that's a, a frightening sight uh, for both teams. Um, UConn also out-rebounding Seton Hall 40-25, to um, but really it just came down to taking care of the ball towards the end of the game, and uh, Seton Hall was a little better, a little better in that category uh, as it came down to it. Uh-huh. And with, you know, it's already – we're only at – Nine Sundays away from Selection Sunday, and you're already seeing multiple news outlets talking about their 64 teams, what conferences are going to send the most at-large bids, and Big East is up there, about five to eight teams being sent. And I think this game perfectly summarizes what we've seen from the Big East and what we're going to see. Two teams playing really well, different guys stepping up, and it just happened to go into overtime, and it was a single-digit deficit that was the end-all for UConn. But I think we're going to see a lot of these types of games that are just going back and forth. And don't be surprised if, like, a lot of these Big East teams that are going to be high, you know, we're talking three, four, five seeds, like 500 in the Big East. And that might just be good enough to be, like, to put your – put a Big East team above an SEC team or a Big Ten team just because of how competitive it is top to bottom this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and I, I've I've said this over and over, and I'll continue to preach this. I think the Big East, the SEC, and the Big Twelve, especially this year, are just going to be um, gauntlets. They're just going to be, you know, every single week you're going on the road or you're playing at home against a tough opponent. Um, you've got at least one a week, I think, in both the Big East and the SEC and Big Twelve. I mean, darn near every game. I mean, we saw Baylor struggled uh, on the road at TCU on Saturday, and that's and they're projected to be the worst team in the Big Twelve this year. Um, and Bramlage Coliseum and K State is the other team at the bottom of that league, and that's no slouch going there either. So mm-hmm. I just think it's one of those things that you know I think I think Big Twelve is is clear cut the best conference uh, again this year in the NCAA. But after that, I think Big East and SEC have great shouts at being that two you know two A two B uh, conferences, not necessarily in any particular order, but I think same way like you're getting at least one game a week. Um, where it's going to be a tough matchup for you uh, in the Big East and the SEC, and I think the Big Twelve, it's like seriously, pretty much every game is you know not going to be an easy one. So interesting to see, um, you know what what comes from that, and um, and how those teams match up, and how the committee you know considers all that um, you know moving forward and, and getting closer and closer to tournament time. Um, but again, speaking of uh, that. Um, Speaking of the the craziness in the in the Big Twelve, um, uh, Texas uh, suffers their uh, a notable loss uh, on the road to Oklahoma State. Um, definitely an interesting one. I, I think it was a little shocking to all of us um, to some extent. Uh, only two players for Texas in double figures um, in a low scoring game. Only fifty one on the board uh, for Texas. Keelan Boone leading the way for Oklahoma State with uh, 17. And, again, I think this is just one of those things that Texas is not going to be a reliable team this year. Um, just with, obviously, Chris Beard still getting you know his feet under him. Um, and then as well as, you know, 
Oklahoma State's playing upset, not being able to go to the NCAA tournament, so they're trying to make the most out of their regular season. Just a lot of things kind of fueled that game, I believe. Um, and, yeah, I just think Oklahoma State, you know, is is going to be putting their all uh, into those games. And I think Texas is just going to be inconsistent, unfortunately, you know, for Texas fans. I do think Chris Beard will obviously get it figured out years down the road. Um, but as of right now, I just don't think he has all the pieces. And, and he's given those players enough time to really mesh because, again, that whole starting five is all new guys, um, all transfers, all mixtures of – you know, players from across the country. So I think they just need time to mesh and and get you know, chemistry-wise, get thing, get some kinks figured out. And I don't think it's going to be. I don't think this season's going to be the season. I think they'll still make the tournament, um, but I don't think this is going to be the season for Texas basketball. But don't let it define you know their their generation or, or what Chris Beard's going to do for this program because mm-hmm. it's going to be great things all forward from here. Yeah, and Chris Beard even said that. This wasn't an excuse for the loss, but Texas was without Trey Mitchell, um, who was out due to COVID-19 protocols, and he's been like their glue guy. He can play both ways. Um, he's from the A-10. He went to UMass, where he averaged nearly 20 for two straight seasons. Um, but I think that Chris Chris Beard is doing a good job at Texas, but there's just so much, so many different pieces that are trying to mesh, and they're meshing in different ways. There was multiple sections in that game where Texas could not score. They started the game um, down like 13 to two, um, and then in late in the second half, when they were trying to like crawl back into the game, they just couldn't. And I think that Texas has some serious um, identity issues right now of like who's going to be the guy, who's going because there's like I mean you always hear the saying. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, like that's what's happening with Texas. Yeah. But I think after even just maybe even the Big Twelve tournament might be enough time for them to mesh together. And I wouldn't put aside because they have the talent, they have the coaching. Absolutely. It's just a matter of time, and that's Texas' biggest question mark is how much time do they need? Absolutely. Um, speaking of teams having an identity crisis right now, can we talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide? I mean, maybe the weird, the weirdest resume in all of college basketball. I mean, I I do not know what to do with this team, so let's go through it real quick. Notables. Um, loss to Iona, which I get it. It's Rick Pitino. I understand that. He's a great, phenomenal coach. Hall, mm-hmm. Probably Hall of Famer coach, despite all, obviously, the allegations and the NCAA issues. Um, but great, great coach. It's still Iona. Like, Alabama still has more talented players than them. And Nate Oates is, Nate Oates is no slouch of a coach either. Um, then you go essentially on the road to Seattle, play Gonzaga, and beat them by nine, which they're a top-five team, clearly. Um, And then you go on the road to Memphis at the time where right after Penny Hardaway comes out and says that he lied about, you know, not he didn't say he lied, but he said he didn't really. Misspoke. Yeah, he misspoke and didn't fully understand the vaccination rate of his team, and there's clearly some locker room issues, and you've got all these things going on for Memphis. And then they go out and beat you by 14. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, like, that is one of those that it's just – it is shocking to me that they were not able to beat a team with very little chemistry like that. I mean, obviously, Memphis has athletes. It's kind of like Texas. I mean, they got athletes. They got, you know, good coaching, but they're just not um, not there yet. And um, that was also a Memphis team that lost four straight games. Going right, into going into that game. Um, so no confidence there either for Memphis. Um, and then they lose at a neutral site, but basically at home, mm-hmm. um, 
to Davidson, which, you know, no disrespect to your Davidson, you know, your Davidson Wildcats. But, yeah, I mean, Alabama's clearly favoring that game, and Davidson takes care of them getting a one-point victory. And then they open conference play beating Tennessee, which then you're like, all right, they're getting back on track. Like, they're going to roll into conference play. They're ready to go. And then the third game of conference play, like the the first weekend, basically, of conference play, you lose to Missouri on the road, who Missouri, by the way, has lost to so many poor teams, the likes of um, University of Missouri, University of Missouri, Kansas City, whatever you want to call them, Kansas City, UMKC, I don't care. Um, Just decide on a name, please. Um, Got smoked by 30 uh, by Kentucky. Got disrespected by 25 by Illinois. I mean, just got got beat by 50 by the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, just – a really, really, really not good team also losing to Liberty, Wichita State, Florida State, um, and then UMKC, you know, early on in, in non-con play. So really, I, I just, I am thoroughly confused by this Alabama team. I don't know what they have to bring. They're currently playing right now. We were going to wait until after this pod to, or after this game was over to record because we thought it was going to be notable. Right now, Auburn's up 14 with seven minutes to go on Alabama. Granted, Auburn is a t- number four in the country and a very, very clear-cut top-tier elite team will probably win the SEC this year, um, unless Kentucky makes a really big late-season push. But my point being, I don't understand um, what to even expect out of this Alabama team anymore. You know, like we are saying, mm-hmm. they, they've got a studded schedule, um, you know, with playing in the SEC. So they've got LSU next week um, on the uh, – excuse me, that is – yeah, it's at home against LSU. And then, they, and then Baylor comes to their place in late January for the Big 12 SEC. So, again, no idea what's going to happen there. Um, And then, obviously, Auburn again, Kentucky twice, and then LSU to end the season. So, still a lot left on the schedule for that Alabama team. Yeah. So, to piggyback on even more Alabama talk, Missouri was playing very, very well. But Alabama has no defensive resistance. They play down to their opponent, and they also play up to their opponent which is not something you could do consistently and expect the same results. Um, it was back and forth, and then Mizzou just pulled away. They were up, they were up 18 points well, um, with like 10 minutes remaining in the game, and then Alabama kept crawling back, crawling back, crawling back, until it was a minute and 14 left, and Mizzou was up six, and they had the ball. And then... Um, Alabama went on to lose um, by what was it like sixteen points? Yeah, they, yeah, they ended up losing by six. Uh, no, 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 six. Oh, it's good math. Wow. Oh. Well, regardless, <laughs> I it was, it was just um, what I was alluding to is the Davidson game. It's obviously right. I watched that a little bit closer, being a Wildcat fan at heart. But Davidson won. But they were pulling away, they were pulling away, and Alabama came back, and then two turnovers when they had the ball right. and they were coming back. It's just that you cannot play this inconsistent and expect things to change. Um, they're definitely going to be interesting because they have the talent, they have the coaching, they have the wins. They, they seem to just play to their opponent's level. I mean, it, it's, it's as simple as that, and I just don't understand how you can – um, and, and Nato, it's being a great coach. I'm just shocked that, you know, he hasn't been able to really turn this thing around. 
you know, obviously he's still got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have faith in Nate Oates. I think he's a phenomenal coach, but I'm just surprised that it hasn't really flipped yet. So. Yeah. Moving forward, um, another really shocking, and, and we won't spend much time on this because I know neither of us have too much knowledge on the, uh, this team, but another sh- kind of shocking and, and really blew me away result from the weekend, San Diego State uh, beat Colorado State, one of the last couple undefeated teams in the country, um, by 30 points. And, yeah, obviously, I mean, I, I actually – San Diego State was favored in this game, so it's, it's not that shocking that San Diego State won, um, but 30 points is a lot. Um, so 79-49 there. Again, Colorado State's still a team to keep an eye on, as well as I think San Diego State as well. Both of them coming out of the Mountain West could be interesting come mm-hmm. tournament time. Um, and then moving forward, uh, Porter Moser gets his first um, really big key win, um, memorable win for him at Oklahoma, beating Iowa State. And, and I was happy for him. You, you know, after the game, you see, um, you know, he's running over in front of the student section, you know, getting them all jacked up, high-fiving oh, yeah. everybody coming around the arena. That was awesome. And that was cool to see because not that the basketball culture around Loyola Chicago wasn't huge, but he hadn't had the brand or the, or the large crowds or anything mm-hmm. like that. Not, not that the Frank Lloyd Noble center is anything to be you know super super proud of as an Oklahoma fan but still a, a packed arena against a top you know top 15 team and and just cool to see that um, and see him get all jacked up um, about that win so so good good on Porter Moser and good for Oklahoma um, and then possibly the most surprising result of the weekend Miami going on the road to Duke and getting a win in Cameron Indoor and, and I hadn't expected us to talk much about um the ACC at all yeah. uh, because I kind of just thought uh, you know it was, Duke was just going to roll and that was that was going to be that and we weren't going to have to talk much about it. Um, Miami has an interesting uh, an interesting you know resume themselves um, undefeated in ACC play up until tonight they did take their first loss tonight on the road at Florida State always a tough game Leonard Hamilton Leonard Hamilton phenomenal coach um, but like they got rolled by thirty by that same Alabama team. They got beat by 16 by Dayton. Um, you know, just so nothing really consistent on them. They also lost to UCF early on in the season. So, again, you really don't know what to expect from them. I'm not saying that I think they've, you know, with that one have locked up a, a, an at-large bid by any means. Um, but, you know, come tournament time, they're definitely someone to keep an eye on. And, and Jerry Larinaga's team, you know, is – starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel after being one of the first teams to really be accused in that FBI probe and then that all to come out uh, to be false. So so interesting to see. And, and a little hope for Miami fans. I, I would love to see them uh, kind of pick it up. Obviously, after you play Duke, they don't have another ranked team on the schedule for the rest of the of conference play. Um, so, you know, I, I think as long as you take care of business there um, and at least win a couple games in the ACC tournament, you could be a good shout um, at, at, at large. But, yeah, I mean, I, we're, looking at, we're looking at a two, maybe three bid. Um, ACC this year, and that's that's gonna be shocking. Yeah, I mean, really. And to add on, I think I don't know if we got the best version of Duke that game because it was their second game since their pause. They barely beat Georgia Tech. Yep. And then you. Well, hey, no, no disrespect to Josh Pastner. I mean, come on now, Georgia yeah. Tech, the 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 face visor, or the I mean the. The, the oh, face the fog, shield, the fog, the, shield. Fo- the fog shield. I mean, yeah. come on, that that's legendary. And Georgia Tech after that ACC tournament run last year, you can't, you can't, you know, no yeah, one's no slouch. No, no. Right, right, right. When they're number two team in the country. Yeah. Um, and, but Miami, I mean, they're now five and zero in their conference. It's the first time they've done this well, probably since Shane Larkin. 
Right. Um, so it would be very interesting to see if, like, this Miami team could, like, keep going, just do bounce back. Because the ACC is going to be a, a conference with very, very limited um, newsworthy headlines. Right. So Absolutely. So see uh, how these teams uh, can fare uh, going into tough teams like Boston College. Right. <laughs> Um, and then the last notable result that I just want to throw on there at the end of that Saturday slate uh, was LSU taking care of Tennessee at home. Again, that's how the game was favored. LSU's 14-1, 79-67, a 12-point win at home. Tennessee continuing to kind of be slightly inconsistent. They were really never in this game. Um, LSU just kind of keeping them at an arm's length uh, the whole way. Um, but again, LSU, another team that you know you got to be a little weary of. See, see what they got to bring. I, I'm looking forward to that LSU Auburn game when it does go down. That'll be a good one. Um, probably two top ten teams by that time in the SEC, so that'll be good. Yeah, a player to watch um, from LSU is Tari Eason. Um, definitely getting some, uh, even off the bench, getting some good buzz about being a draft prospect. Um, he had uh, 24 points and 12 rebounds off the bench. Um, he's a very, very talented kid that um, I think when LSU goes in to play at Auburn, Alabama, depending on the day of the week, or Kentucky, you need a guy. And he would definitely uh, be that guy right. if they wanted to take them on um, come conference play late in the season or in the tournament. So LSU's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep on them. Yeah, they were undefeated for a while, and they're starting to get attention. And then they had the loss. People were a little uncertain, but I feel like um, this LSU team is very, very good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on, uh, the Tuesday slate, this evening slate, and obviously not of all, all of it's entirely completed, but for the most part, we're wrapping up the evening here. Um, first big notable one that I like again wasn't even on my radar, wasn't paying attention. Um, I was actually at CentOS Center getting everything prepped for tomorrow's game for Villanova. We were doing some newspapers, some banter, and a little special surprise for you Xavier student section uh, kids out there and also um, and you know anyone else in the arena or watching on TV, I'm sure you'll see it. Got a little something special planned for the game, so that'll be fun. Um, but uh, point being, wasn't really paying attention. Oh, my gosh, Graham, are you seeing this score? Uh, Alabama? Yeah. No. It's tied with four minutes to go. They were down 14 when you said that. <laughs> I thought we were safe. I uh, thought we were you're safe, never man. Safe. You're, never, never, you're never safe. Are you? I feel like an idiot right now. I'll probably lose by 20. Oh, yeah. Let's or, see. Or What's win a, by 20. What are they shooting from three? This is unbelievable. This is happening live on the pod. We hopped on because I was like, ah, we're not worried about it. Yeah, they're both, both teams shooting 20% from three. This is unbelievable. Graham, this might be our first ever live reaction pod. We might have to pull this game up during the pod. Um, Obviously, I'm mute. No copyright issues here, but um, that's unbelievable. Anyways, back to what I was saying. Uh, Not on my radar. Stanford beating number five USC by six uh, at the Cardinal, um, led by Harrison Ingram uh, with 21 points and 10 rebounds. I mean, I don't really know what all to say about that. I think that's a really tough loss for a USC team that's trying to make, you know, a top, you know, two, three seed case. Um, That's one that's definitely going to hurt you down the road. Um, But I really don't think there's that much to say about it. I mean, I think for USC, like, 
outside of the Arizona and the UCLA games, you got to take care of business in the Pac-12 because mm-hmm. um, you're going to play those tough teams in Arizona and UCLA, and and you don't know what's going to happen in those games. Especially, I mean, I can't wait for those USC UCLA games. You know, reigniting that LA rivalry um, in a couple great arenas. You know, it'll be good to see that. Um, but again, like I, I, I don't think there's too much to say about that outside of just you got to take care of business, and that's a really tough look. Um, come March uh, when you're looking at that and you're looking back on that. So Yeah, I, as I was walking over, I saw the, the clip of Stanford's uh, coach. He's like, you can't get excited when you're playing a top five team after sitting out due to COVID. Like, right. Then we don't have a pulse, and if you don't like it, then you don't have a pulse. Exactly. Either. I think that's an awesome feel-good story. Yeah, for Stanford sure. Stanford comes back, beats a tough team. Um, I mean – USC, that's uncharacteristic. They've been handling their games very well and convincingly. Um, I mean, they got great pieces. Isaiah Mobley is unbelievable. For Bobby sure. Ellis is very talented. Um, I look forward to see how USC bounces back. Because, um, I mean, Arizona and um, UCLA are both very, very good. Colorado's solid. So I look forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving past the Pac-12 shocker tonight, uh, let's look at another shocker, Texas Tech. Once again, we mentioned them earlier on the pod, mm-hmm. going on the road to Waco and getting a win over Scott Drew's Bears, um, 65-62 at Baylor. Um, Baylor's first loss and no more undefeated teams in college basketball. Um, I don't know if you saw the last possession. Um, that did not look like a number one team in the last possession from Baylor. Got the ball with no, about fifteen. Folded multiple times. Yeah, again. got the ball with about um, with about uh, like fifteen seconds left. Up three, um, and you expect I, I would expect an experienced coach like Scott Drew maybe drive to the bucket early. If you got nothing there, you kick it out. Maybe look for a little drive and kick action um, for the three to tie it, or or at least work the ball around. James Kinsley took the ball and barely let go of it until under five seconds, and that's just something that you know going into these later season games where again like we said you're going to be playing tough games multiple times a week you got to have either a guy that you're going to go with and you're going to set a screen you know and get him the ball and get him open or you're going to you know you're going to have a play that you're going to run to be able to move the ball and drive and kick and do all those good things I mean it it really looked it was shocking to me I mean James Kenjo catches the ball and he basically just dribbled out 10 seconds and then threw one inside, got deflected back out, and he throws up a prayer that hits front rim and falls out. And just really shocking to me. But more than that, I, I think the bigger story is just Texas Tech here. Um, back to full strength. Um, Mark Adams is doing a really, really good job, and that's a team that, I mean, I'm glad that KU got that one out of the way uh, going down later in the season. Um, but, yeah, any team that's got to go on the road to Texas Tech, you're not going to have a fun time down there yeah, in Lilick. While Baylor had some – times where it didn't look like they were Baylor. Let's not take away from the Texas Tech win. Um, it was an interesting little tidbit about how monumental this Texas Tech win is. Yeah. Bears had won 22 consecutive home games, winning those by an average margin of 26 points. That's 34 out of their last 35, um, which is unbelievable to think about how this Texas team that was looked at like a mid- Conference, no more Chris Beer, kind of rebuilding here, and like they said, no, they're right. They're here now. After some great wins, and then they beat Baylor on the road. They're gonna shoot up, 
it's going to be a bit, it's going to be a dogfight in the Big 12. And yeah. I'm glad that now that Baylor has that loss, it levels the playing field. It's mm-hmm. going to be. I mean, this is anyone's game now. Absolutely, and it, it was cool to see too. Um, Texas Tech down 31-26 at half. Outscore the Bears 39-31 in the second half. So 13 more points in the second half than the first. Really good to see them getting that offense going there, not just solely relying on their strong, aggressive defense. Um, so yeah, you're right. It, it levels the playing field, and and it's not going to be like last year where Baylor was kind of kind of ran away with it a little bit um, down the stretch. Like this is going to be um, a really great uh, you know race to the finish here. Um, by the way, Auburn, Alabama, we are tied with 230 to go, 75 apiece. Um, so I'll pull it up here in just a second, probably once we get under the two-minute mark. Um, but let's get through the rest of these games from tonight. Iowa State, Kansas, again, Big 12 play. Um, Kansas getting the win at home. Really tried to give it away there at the end. I just watched the last few minutes. I finally cooled down a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 7-0 run by Iowa State under under the last two minutes. Roy Williams in the house for the Hawks for the first time since he left. Oh. Um, coaching there back in 03. Uh, so after he left, he hasn't been back since. Um, but back tonight, enjoying his retirement. Uh, good to see Roy back in the building. Got a nice ovation from what I saw. Um, but yeah, again, uh, Kansas just barely eking out a one-point victory thanks to Dewan Harris's tough finish um, for the Hawks. But I think the biggest thing again, and like I said earlier, inconsistency, inconsistency in the starting lineup, inconsistency on who the guy's going to be. There's a bit there where it was, it was very clear-cut, like Brown and Abaji are our guys. Um, but then again tonight, you know, you got to go to Dewan Harris to get that bucket. And I, I'm not saying that they didn't prefer to get it in Brown or Abaji's hand, but it fell to the right guy, and he, he made the play at the time. Um, no Remy Martin tonight, right? No Remy Martin either. He's uh, he's um, nicked up, as as they've said, so we don't we don't know for sure. Um, I think a knee injury has kind of been the, the consensus on what the consistent thing has been uh, for him. But, uh, again, we'll have to see, you know, how he comes back and really how he fits into the chemistry of the team because as of now – um, from at least from what I've seen and from inside reporting and things like that, it's looked like he has not been fully accepted into the JR program. I don't think his teammates love him. I know Bill Self doesn't love him, you know, so we'll see. Um, obviously, the kid's got talent um, and he's got a lot of swagger. Um, but again, we'll just have to see, you know, what happens moving forward on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, la- last notable, real quick, um, result from tonight. Texas, Oklahoma. Texas winning by 14. Little Red River action. Um, yeah, little, yep, Battle of the Red River. Um, winning by 14 at home. Again, comfortable win for Texas. Probably a little upset after the uh, the loss on Saturday to Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We're about to jump uh, into the Auburn-Alabama uh, <laughs> game. Um, we got this one live here. Clutch free throws by Alabama. Yes. Ties it to 77 with about a minute and a half to go. It's Auburn ball. Man, this is this is great. Packed packed house uh, at Alabama. Student sections rocking after that tough loss uh, last night uh, to Georgia in the fo- in the national championship college football. Um, yeah, Auburn working it around, looking for a shot it's from a deep, deep ball. Air ball. Air ball three. Out two Auburn guys. Ooh. Don't know what's going on. Two guys go down for Auburn. Oh yeah. Everybody's checking on them. Uh, mm. looks, looks like even Alabama guys are checking on them too. Yeah, that, that, that looks the mutual respect in the Iron Bowl. Yeah, what do we, yeah, what do we call it? Yeah, what do we call this now? <laughs> yeah, the Iron Cup. Uh, Bruce Pearl's very he's fuming cartoon, as always. Very cartoon-like beard. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, weird play going out of bounds here. Air ball, or, or just caught the edge of the rim, and then two Auburn guys kind of ran into each other there on the baseline. Um, going out of bounds, but it's going to be Alabama ball um, once we come out of this timeout. And, I mean, man, Bruce Pearl is animated, as always, yeah. uh, on the sideline. You can tell he was a mascot before he started oh, coaching. absolutely. You can totally tell. Absolutely. Um, it's pretty funny. This is taking me back to my, my high school days when I was commentating our – our high school football and basketball games. Oh, um, color so commentator Evan. Yeah, exactly. Right here. Exactly. Play. No, I was a play-by-play guy. Oh, we had okay. our, our, our couple of my friends were the, were the color guys. But All right, here we go. Minute 15 left. Alabama with the ball moving right to left um, from our screen. Driving inside a pitch. Got to do the flashy pass in yeah, the clutch. Always, got, oh, always got to. They the somehow note. get a rebound. Alabama for three. Front iron, no good. Another rebound for Auburn. Auburn's actually. got the ball. Oh, foul called. All right, foul. Auburn's going to be going to the line here. They're in the bonus, so they'll be shooting one and one just under a minute to go. Look at, uh, look at Nate Oates with the suit. Exactly. Look how good he looks. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Lots of nerves here for um, the Crimson Tide. Just – just to put this tidbit in, if Alabama wins because of the suit, if they lose, it's because of Alabama. Yeah, absolutely right. Suit does not affect losses, only wins. Correct. I couldn't agree more. Um, let's see here. We got also got Oklahoma State, uh, West Virginia on right now. Check on a score on that. Give you guys an update there. Um, that's feel, it kind of feels like uh, like NFL whip around coverage. Yeah. You know, when they're, they're doing the they got like multiple games on here. We're gonna update you on this one. Now this one. Now this one. Um, let's go a little Big 12 action. Whoa, West Virginia up 70-53 to 53 on Oklahoma State. Obviously, that game is in Morgantown, so a lot. Auburn hits both there. free throws. Alabama coming down after down two. It is now 79-77 with 45 seconds left. Trying to work around an iso ball. Oh, found the open man in the corner. He fakes, drives in. Oh, what was that? And I mean, Very circus-like shot. Went for a finger roll and just kind of came off the end of his hand, and Auburn collects Auburn easily. Has a ball. Alabama electing to defend instead of fouling. Uh, Five-second differential between game and shot clock. So, yeah, no foul yet. Sending the double team. Sending the double team. Auburn working around. There's a foul. foul. Oh. Ticky-tacky foul. Man, that's a tough one late. But. Flanagan's going right back to the line again after hitting his first two just then. There's now 20 seconds left. Auburn's up two. I mean, how about this? This is this, this is, is just awesome. The most Alabama game. All right, they were, were up, down 17 big, when I said down that. Down big with eight with coming under back, eight minutes to go. Coming back, having the chance to win, you go for a flashy pass, you miss the layup. Right. You, you got a chance for an offensive rebound. You end up fouling the guy on the rebound. He yeah. hits two shots. You have a wide open three. three. Uh, which I don't know why you didn't shoot that. Wide open three. He goes for the finger roll lap and misses. And Flanagan Auburn makes both. Yeah, Auburn makes both up four. And we're gonna go quick timeout. And while we're at the quick timeout, I'm gonna give you a quick run through of what you need to be on the lookout for here over the next um, week or so while we are gone and before we get back to you again next Wednesday. Um, Thursday night, January 13th, Ohio State, Wisconsin, number 13 versus number 16. Johnny Davis been lighting it up for the Badgers. Uh, excited to see what he brings to the table. Gonzaga's first real test in conference play. They got BYU at home uh, late night, 11 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday. I'll be intrigued for that one. And then Arizona and Colorado, like you said, Colorado, very solid this year. Also 11 o'clock tip on the Eastern Coast. Um, nothing really big Friday. Saturday slate's going to be stacked, of course. Um, West Virginia going on the road to Kansas. 
Um, Texas Tech going on the road to Kansas State. Again, interesting to see there. Brambridge Coliseum, not the easiest place to play. Seton Hall on the road at Marquette. Tennessee at Kentucky. Um, Texas at Iowa State. Uh, let's see what else we got. We got UConn at Providence. Again, another great matchup there. Oklahoma State at Baylor. Um, Utah at Arizona. Uh, that's about it. Uh, notably Saturday. So not a crazy schedule, but a good busy one for you. Nothing crazy going on Sunday. Obviously not one to compete with the NFL schedule. Monday night, uh, we've got... Oh, no, no, no. Monday midday. That's right. They rescheduled this game for noon because it's Martin Luther King Day. Purdue at Illinois. Be intrigued to see that one. See if Purdue can respond from a kind of a rocky start to conference play. And then next Tuesday, I don't know if we'll go Tuesday night again or if we'll go Wednesday. We'll figure this out later. But Kansas on the road at Oklahoma. Baylor at West Virginia. Kansas State at Texas. Duke going on the road to Florida State. Tough one there. Iowa State at Texas Tech. Providence at Seton Hall are the big ones there for Tuesday. Now you have Alabama taking now 20 seconds. They have to go to full length of the court. They've checked in their death lineup with Shackleford, Quinley, and Davison. They're looking for a quick bucket. Chucks up three a tip. Auburn with the ball. They can't seem to foul. He's going on full length of the court. He gets around What's he it. doing? Alabama not fouling. Alabama could not foul in time. There's five seconds left now. I mean, that's got to be bought. going to the line. I, like, what happened? There? So you lose the ball there with, like, 15 seconds left, right? And then you don't foul for another 10. And you let Auburn just run around the floor taking time off the clock. I mean, what a strange ending to the game. Javon Quirley with a very – two big mistakes yeah. on these final few minutes. He's four for 18 on the night right now. Yeah. The Villanova transfer. Alrighty, well, we'll let that kind of finish up here. Also worth noting, Oscar Chibwe, 30 points, 13 rebounds against Vanderbilt tonight. I mean, what? Unbelievable. Um, we will let this finish up as the Alabama fans uh, look to file out of the arena. Um, Auburn up four. They just need one to really, really put this away. Um, here with five seconds to go. Mm -hmm. um, we'll make sure this one goes in. Then we'll get to the Musketeer Minute, and we'll get you out of here. That way I can go to bed uh, and Graham you as well. we got a big... Big night against uh, against Villanova tomorrow night. All right, need a need a foul and a three. Shackleford puts one up, miss, miss, no and that good. is ball game. Auburn by four. Auburn players dropping into the War Eagle celebration. Twelfth straight win for Auburn, um, and yeah, Auburn continues to roll. Survives a late push from Alabama, um, and all right, I mean, is anyone shocked? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. All righty, Musketeer minute quickly. Um, Xavier Butler, only game we have to recap you on. First game in 17 days. Personally, I was concerned. I know I voiced this on the pod last week. I was concerned. Going on the road, Butler, um, we're apparently Butler's biggest rival. Uh, I didn't know that until, um, you know, I heard the F Xavier chance uh, at Butler on Friday night, and I talked to a few friends of mine that actually go there. Um, so they really hate us for whatever reason. Um, usually for it to be a rivalry, games have to be, you know, fairly competitive as of recent years. Um, so interesting to see that. Um, but, yeah, Xavier taking care of business on the road. Great road trip, too, for Xavier fans. I mean, that was super cool for me. I did get to see it in person. Um, very fortunate to see that. Hinkle Fieldhouse, great arena, great atmosphere. Um, wasn't exactly thumping on a Friday night. I do think it's over break for them, though, so worth noting that as well. Um, but, again, still just cool to see. Cool to see that old barn. And uh, cool to see the amount of Xavier fans. I mean, seriously, it was probably 30, 30 to 40% Xavier fans um, up in Hinkle on Friday night. So 
Lots of fun to see that. Adam Kunkel going bananas for 25 and the heat check of all heat checks from the I think it's like a bank logo they've got on the floor there. I mean all the way he, from Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean he threw that thing up and I was like, oh Lord. And I because I was like, there's no way that's going in. And just Drano and the place went bananas. Let's go X chance raining all over Hinkle Field, excuse me, Kunkel Field House on <laughs> Friday night. Um, but very cool to and see in person. He, a quick sip with the new water fountain they just put in. Yes, in yes. Uh, unbelievable game uh, from Adam Kunkel. That's a great first game to come back to. I mean, Butler's a competitive team, um, but not nothing too serious. I thought we found our groove after being on a 17-day pause. You go into Villanova, this is a very, very important game for Big East implications, for March Madness implications, and I think Xavier's fan base um, as a whole. I would agree. This is uh, the first time that uh, Travis Steele-led team has been in the top 20 in the AP poll. Um, now it's 17. Top 20 matchup in the first time in four years for Xavier. Um, Cintas is going to be rocking. Oh, absolutely. Villanova's going to bring it. They're a very talented team. They're bringing back Antoine tonight, or tomorrow night, um, his second and third game back. They're a very serious team. I'm very looking forward to the game. Um, Xavier fans better be ready. This could be a yeah. very, in, very impactful game, not just for tomorrow, not just for the next week, but for years to come, in my yeah. opinion. No, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think um, making sure you split with Villanova is going to be a, a very big key um, for that resume going into March. You know, saying like, hey, they might have gotten us on the road, but we won that game at home and we, you know, won it with some force. Um, and on top of that, too, I just think that. You know these two teams are very evenly matched, and I think the Cintas Center does make that much of a of a difference um, in the game. So I'm super excited to see that, um, and just yeah, I mean I could not be more excited. I think it's going to be very impactful um, on you know the rankings, obviously, and looking forward into March. It's it's going to be a great time um, in Cintas tomorrow night, hopefully, and I, I know the place will be rocking. And yeah, I'm excited to see it. Um, yeah, and again, I just think this will be one of the, one of if not the biggest game of Travis Steele's career yet, and, and I'm sure. I'm excited to see oh, him sure. bring the energy and, and see what see what they've got to bring uh, tomorrow night. So, all right, guys. Well, that's it for us in our first um, uh, podcast back home in Norwood and Xavier University. Um, some big things coming soon for Evan and I. So stay tuned. Um, thank you all for listening. Again, big game tomorrow. We'll catch you guys next week with that recap, the Creighton recap, and all the other crazy games. Hopefully we get another beautiful week like we did this week. Everyone else, stay safe. Um, and that's all we got for tonight. Thank you all. See ya.